Hello, and welcome back to Unmasked. <laughs> anyway, how you guys doing? Doing good? I'm good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I hope you guys are all doing really good out there. Anyway, welcome back to a brand new episode of Unmasked. My name is Alex, and I am your host. I really hope that it is a welcome back, because... That would mean that you haven't missed any of our previous amazing guests, which, if you have, you know the drill. Go check them out. You will not regret it, I promise. We've had amazing people, amazing stories and journeys. Sure, there might not be the most famous people in the world and stuff like that, but regardless, absolutely amazing stories and absolutely amazing people. So go check them out, please. I promise it will be worth your time. Today... We have another film treat for you. I know that we've had quite a few people in the film industry on here, but it is very much a growing industry, especially for Arizona, and that's kind of my forte, the film industry. We have a female, though, that does the film industry behind the camera and behind-the-scenes type of stuff. Kayla is a cinematographer, producer, director, writer, she is a very well-rounded person in the film industry, and we get to talk about a lot of the stuff from the female perspective or female point of view working in the film industry. So I think that it'll be very interesting to kind of see what all she has to say and get her point of view based off of the entire industry. So without further ado, I bring to you Miss Kayla Windsor. I've been, I've been, I've been unmasked, unmasked, unmasked. Tell you how excited I am to be doing the show with these new microphones. Having two separate kinds of microphones, one that's a little bit higher quality and then one that's shit quality is the most annoying thing in the world, especially when different microphones pick up different peak levels and stuff, and they just don't sound even. So now, everything should sound so much more better and so much more Yay. crisp. That's so, so exciting. I'm excited. Yes. All right. So do you go by Kayla, or do you go by whatever uh, your Instagram thing I is? I go by Kayla. You go yeah. by Kayla. Yeah, my okay. Instagram is Imaginarium, and people think my name's Emma Genarium all the time. <laughs> Why Imaginarium? <laughs> Um, I, did you grow up watching Dragon Ball Z by chance? A little bit. Okay. Did you ever see the episodes where they went up into like that planet with the dome that you could train in? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Well, there's, there's a bunch of episodes where they would go into this dome that, and train to be Super Saiyans and in this, inside the dome, anything they dreamed up would just pop in front of them. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. Um, yeah, so they would go inside this dome, and anything that they would think of would pop up in front of them. Um, oh. And so I just called that dome the Imaginarium. So I like that. Yeah. Okay, so you're a big Dragon Ball Z fan then. Yeah. 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 Okay. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Kayla, we're going to do a little introduction about who you are, what you do, pretty much. Um, think like a a talk show to where they're just kind of introducing the guest with all the accolades, accomplishments, whatever you want to use to kind of like describe who you are and what you do. Go ahead and just introduce yourself. Okay. 
So you look at the camera. Whatever you want to look at. <laughs> so that's such a hard question. Um, I'm terrible at talking about myself. Um, hi, I'm Kayla Windsor. I am a cinematographer slash director producer in the film industry. Heck yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> straight and sim- straight and simple, straight to the point. Mm-hmm. I love it. Heck yep. yeah. So you seem to be pretty notable here in the film community with working on a bunch of different stuff. Not even just like the short films with feature films. Um, series, all that kind of stuff. What was it about film that got you hooked into it that kind of like pressed that button of that's what I want to do? Um, I really love telling stories, like all kinds of stories. When I was little, I dreamed a lot and I would remember them all and I would write them all down. So mm. I actually went to school for screenwriting. Um, I didn't graduate with screenwriting. I switched over to film production, but just being able to now switch into TV and a lot of docuseries and even the short films and narratives, which is what I want to do most mm-hmm. of the time, is just tell stories all the time, what other people dream up, what I dream up, and that's that's what I do. Yeah? Yeah. Have you already made a film based on a dream that you've had? I haven't yet, because it's so complicated, so I've been waiting for a team that I can bring together, and like I have them, but then I don't have the money for it, so... I actually have an idea for a YouTube channel yeah. um, called Imaginarium, and it's going to be people submit their dreams to us, Ooh. and we recreate people's dreams. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. That is super cool. <laughs> Give me a synopsis of one of like the stories from a dream that you've had. Um, mine are so long, so um, can I tell you somebody else's dream? Sure, whatever you okay. want. Um, it's just, it's a, this one's a shorter one because I'm going to go all the way up to 15 minutes if, depending on how detailed these Honestly, stories are. Honestly, we're here for a solid like hour, hour and a half. Okay. So whatever you want to yeah, shoot your shot. I'll scooch it down shortly. Okay. Um, but so my one of my friends told me that one of her dreams, it's just a crazy dream where she was inside a childhood home and her uh, grandpa who had passed away was looking at her over the staircase and all of a sudden he just flew over the staircase at her. So she ran outside and outside the world was red and like everything was floating. Okay, I'm, I'm getting like apocalyptic slash um, Inception vibes. Yes, yeah. Okay. So yeah, she runs outside and all of her friends are like floating away from her. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's just, like one of the more simple ones that I've gotten. Okay. Yeah. I started doing that because uh, I wanted to get into screenwriting a little bit myself. Um, and I had one dream once where I woke up and immediately I was like, I need to get my phone so I can write this down because like, yeah. it was such like an in-depth thing. I'm like, how is this not? It gets kind of based off of like, so there's that whole thing that there's no such thing as a new idea. I don't know if right. you kind of follow into that kind of pattern or that thought process. But I mean, in my in my opinion, I do think it's kind of true. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's like we can't completely create something new. Yeah. It's kind of like getting a certain algorithm or something and re-scrambling it to your own thing. Yeah. And then it's a new idea. But the basis of it is fundamentally based off of like what you've encountered yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's kind of that's kind of how it is. And I had one and I was like, oh, this needs to be this needs to be a movie and I was even like oh, I'm. this is going to be like my first thing let's, let's do it let's do it and I was talking to a cinematographer a friend of mine who I'm like hey I'd love to partner with you on doing this and I told him he's like this looks like it's going to be a big budget yeah. like this is no small budget thing this is like 
we need like investors behind this. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, I didn't even <laughs> think about like all the small stuff, setting mm-hmm. and uh, equipment, crew, um, studio space, like everything yeah. that's going behind it. Because it's also probably not like a short film. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking, uh, more like a feature length film. Cool. And when you think about that, it's there's so much more that goes into it. But that's super exciting. Mm-hmm. So what's the first one that you want to produce that you've kind of create like written um i have this one that actually might not go on the youtube i can't tell how big it is just like you just said um and it was one of my first dreams that i remembered i was six years old and it was about these kids that lived on the lake Hmm. and it was kind of like an in norway in the fjords where the town was like on a lake with a bunch of mountains around it and so these kids just played like in the mountains and on the lake like their whole lives Hmm. and all of a sudden they find a cave and okay I was six so (laughs) just remember that (laughs) Um, they find a cave and there's a door that's locked in it so they go back every single day trying to open this cave door and they finally get it open on on the inside is an in-cave lake and inside of it are a bunch of glowing like dinosaurs that have lived in this cave first millennia okay (laughs) um so then they don't tell anybody and they just go back every day and play with these dinosaurs and make friends with these dinosaurs that live in this lake um but all of a sudden the interior cave lake starts leaking and so they're they need the town's help to save the dinosaurs that are trapped in this cave (laughs) okay yeah um and so they get all of their their village to come save all the dinosaurs this sounds like it's definitely a little bit more of like a family-friendly film. Yes, yeah. Something that like all ages can go and see. Yeah, so I think that's more of an animated yeah. feature film. Like I could submit it to like Disney or something. Do you do animation stuff? I've never done it, no. no. But that's the first one I have. That'd be cool, honestly. Yeah. I'm getting like flashbacks from like uh, there's this cave back in uh, Flagstaff where I'm from um, called Lava Tubes. And yeah. Uh, have you been there? I haven't been. I went to NAU, and okay. I never went. Oh, really? Yeah, I was busy. I remember the first time I went to the lava tubes, it was the sketchiest, scariest oh, thing yeah. I've ever encountered, but I was also, like, a super, super young kid, mm. and um, I have, like, little flashbacks and stuff of my own recollection. I mean, obviously, my mom, like, took pictures and stuff of a certain... I'm like... I'm looking at my face and those, I'm like, I was not feeling that face at all. <laughs> According to my memories, that was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Because, right. like, you go down there and it's not really, like, this climbing friendly. It's very, like, you have to climb over stuff. There's no lighting and stuff, so you have to bring your own lights. I remember I went on a field trip into that cave and they're like, make sure you have lights and stuff. And I have a weird memory. I don't even know if it's one of those things where I don't know if it's a true memory or if it's just something that my brain recreated. I remember hiking through it and there's a kid that's just sitting on this rock and he dropped his flashlight so he's just sitting in dark but everyone's just walking by him oh God. and he's just sitting there crying and stuff because he's sitting in darkness yeah. while these people with lights are going past him and then I have another memory which I think that one is real mm-hmm. um, of the first like fire trick I learned because we were with um, some camp counselors and we were kind of just all sitting down there and I think we lit a candle or something just to kind of hang out, warm yeah. up a little bit. And he starts getting his hand, putting it through the fire and like trying to amuse all of us. But when you do that to a little kid, the first thing they want to do is try it. Right. So we were like trying to grab the flame and he's like, oh shit, I shouldn't oh, have done no, that. Oh yeah. So that's, that's <laughs> cool though. I can like imagine that. and That is really cool because that's the exact response that I want 
yeah. to get from it because everyone else is like, oh, well, I have a dream that I remember, you know? Mm-hmm. And so th- if I can get so many submissions, like, it could get pretty big. Yeah, Because everyone dreams all the time. just And it'll actually encourage them to write it down yeah. better, you know? That's actually, um, I was watching or I was listening to, um, I don't know if you listened to the podcast Huberman Lab with Andrew Huberman. No, not yet. Um, but he just released an episode based off of like mental health. And one of the things for mental health is journaling. And specifically like right when you wake up, when your brain's all kind of jumbled up and there's so many different thoughts going on, journaling them down. And honestly, it does help a lot, especially if like you have a really bad dream. You yeah. can journal that down and kind of look back and be like, <laughs> what was I even thinking? Right. I've, Yep. I remember when I was in high school, for some reason, there was like three days straight. I don't know if it was just from a stupid amount of playing Call of Duty right before going to bed and like playing zombies and stuff, but I'd have these apocalyptic dreams, yeah. apocalyptic dreams where like I go outside and there's just nobody. Oh, it's God. just desolate. Yeah. There's like that orange haze over everything and everything is just like, I'm the last person on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, And... I just remember I woke up and immediately, like, I checked outside and I see cars going. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. <laughs> like, I couldn't have been more happier yeah. to see human life form in right. my life just based off of a stupid little dream. Wow. So it's crazy it with, like. Crazy. How powerful they are. Yeah. And yeah. how um, I know that there's a lot of people that do, like, dream analysis that, like, whatever you dream about is based off of how your subconscious is reacting. Right. Or um, kind of, like, how your subconscious is kind of protruding a certain type of way you feel like I know a lot of people like oh you had a dream about this that means this is happening in your life Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting to kind of get to see like those dreams where all your teeth fall out or um, you show up to class naked for some reason (laughs) or um, I don't know just like random dreams like that I don't even know why I had that dream I have never looked into the dream analytics stuff. I probably should. Yeah especially like if you're doing this whole YouTube channel (laughs) people submitting their dreams because it's a lot of it like goes into like the therapeutic type of thing like oh you're mm-hmm. dreaming constantly about this you have a lot of anxiety happening right. in your life and you're trying to suppress it but it's coming out in your subconscious mm. i wonder if that would just like cause other people to analyze the dreams for other people because i don't think i'm going to be able to do that because if i start yeah. analyzing them then i'll like decompose them and like yeah and it won't be the same i don't know i think it, it Honestly, it should be analyzed by, like, a sleep professional or something. Yeah. But I have heard just, like, random people I've talked to get these dreams and be like, well, typically when you have a dream like this, it's based off of this that's happening in your life. Even though they don't directly correlate, it's like, I think there was one where it was, like, if you have a dream about, like, pets, that means, like, you want kids or something. Oh, or, okay. I don't know, just some, some sense. weird way that your brain kind of rewires everything and kind of portrays it in that sense. I think that's how Twilight was actually made, though, wasn't it? I think, like, Probably Stephanie Myers Had a dream? Yeah, I think if I, it was one of those big series that I th- I'm pretty sure it was Stephanie Myers. Mm-hmm. She had a dream about, like, Edward and Bella. Yeah. And that's where the entire series came from. Cool. It was literally a random dream. Yeah. And she's from Arizona, too, isn't she? Is she really? I'm pretty sure she is, yeah. Because that's why um, Bella was from Arizona. I was... I literally... So, I didn't even <laughs> catch that. I just rewatched the entire... Twilight Saga mm-hmm. a little bit ago. Yeah, just, I did too. Don't worry. Of it. Um, but I didn't even catch it until I was watching and it said Phoenix, Arizona. I'm like, yo, okay. <laughs> yeah. But then I looked and it was like filmed in like 
to Nora Desert, California. Yeah, or something. somewhere I'm like, else. Yes, couldn't have just. But come they had down a little here? cactus in there. I know. know yeah, gotta like, represent somehow. Like, yes, couldn't have just come down here for like two two days. Yeah, two days, film this little short scene, right? And that's it. Yeah, just, just for her because she's from here, you know. Yeah, which is crazy because she looks way too white to be from Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> from no Arizona. T- yeah, you got a little bit of color on okay, you. Okay, I do a little bit. So that's awesome, though. Yeah, dreaming. That honestly, I feel like that's a very underrated type of thing, and I've heard a lot of people say that they don't dream. Yeah. Um, but that was another thing that was mentioned in the podcast was that there were numerous studies, and it's like everybody does dream. Yeah. It's only certain people remember it. Yeah, or want to remember it. Yeah. Like know? I've had very vivid dreams. I had one dream thing. It was caused, I'm, I think, by a toothpaste I was using, which is the weirdest thing in the world. But I remember when I was super, super young, um, I was using AIM toothpaste for the first time. Like I was, trans- I was in that transition period of going from like kid toothpaste, I was like strawberry or watermelon flavored, yeah. to like adult toothpaste. I okay. was just like mint. Yeah. And I was using it, and for some reason, it was like triggering these like nightmares and stuff that I was oh, having. No. And the only reason why I say it was caused by that is because as soon as I stopped using that toothpaste, everything else stopped. Whoa. And it was like the sketchiest There might have been dream. something else in that toothpaste. <laughs> I, I know. I, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, hmm, did they sell me something really weird? Yeah. I don't know. But it was like the craziest dream. Like I was sleeping at my dad's house and there was this creature that was half kid, half giant tarantula. Okay. And it was like coming after me in this apartment complex. And it was just like the creepiest thing ever. Yeah. Oh gosh. So I don't know, it, I'll have to so ask weird. you for more details later, and I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> It'll oh, go my, on my YouTube. Little horror, whole horror film. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Why not? What kind of films do you want to specialize in? Honestly, anything narrative right now. I love narratives. Just um, even what's the word for it? Where they're like going back in time. Oh. Um. Like flashback type of th- stuff. Yeah, or sci-fi movies. Oh, I yeah. really like sci-fi. Really? Yeah. Okay. Honestly, being in a sci-fi seems like okay. Are we talking like Star Wars type of sci-fi or like futuristic stuff? Because like sci-fi is mm. such a big genre. Yeah. That there's Anything. just so much. Just monsters and space. Okay. Know? Yeah. So like kind of like fantasy a little bit. Yeah, kind of like fantasy for sure. Going into that realm of just like fictional type of stories. Yes. Yep. Interesting. I do. I do like that. I do a lot of documentaries right now, like as my actual job, and I really enjoy those too. But I really like made up stories and like yeah, just getting more creative with everybody. I don't mind fictional stuff if it's something that I believe could possibly happen in reality. Mm. I don't like the. I've I've never really been into the ones that's like there's absolutely nothing realistic about this, unless like I mean there's been a couple exceptions, but. Like, futuristic movies, I mean, you can never tell what the future holds. Sometimes I'm like, okay, like, it'd be interesting if yeah. this kind of stuff does happen in the future. But other ones, I'm like, I don't know. It's just, like, I can't relate to the movie because right. it's just, like, there's nothing around me that signifies that yeah. that could happen. That makes sense. Like, if it's something it's like, oh, it's based in 3010 mm-hmm. and it's flying cars and stuff, like, oh, I mean, Ooh. I could possibly visualize that. But if it's, like, it's 2015 and <laughs> there's aliens and warlocks everywhere. Right. Like, <laughs> you kind of lost me there, bro. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I, I'm I'm definitely think a little bit more of nonfiction though. Mm-hmm. I like stuff that's based off of actual stuff. Okay. Yeah. Like as soon as I watched, um, shoot, what was that racing movie that just came out? 
uh, not not Forza. Um, it's a it's a video game. Uh, it's based on a video game. Halo. No, it's a racing video game. I, oh, I, I don't know. It's slipping my mind. But the reason why it hooked me so much is because it was a story based on a true story. Mm, okay. And I love those. And like yeah. even the show that I'm watching right now, it's a story based off of true people. Okay. And so it kind of gives you an additional like, oh wow, like yeah. this actually happened somehow. That would be cool too. I would like like biopic things. Yeah. About real things. Yeah. You know, but narrative wise, like telling the story of their life, not just following them as a documentarian. That's true. Yeah. I feel like documentaries have to be made in a very specific way because I've seen some where I'm like, okay, stop going back to these interviews. Like, I yeah. want to see action of what's going on. Like, right. I almost prefer reenactments of a documentary rather Me than too. just like having someone sit down for a five minute interview and like telling the recollection because I'm like, I want to visualize what they're yeah. talking about. I don't want to just have them sit down like, so it was Sunday, December 12th. It was a bright and sunny day <laughs> when right. this ha- I'm like, no. Show me. Yeah. Add some editing in there. Show me the nice and sunny day. Put me in the situation. Even if you have to get some actors, right. hire some actors, reenact yeah. this. It's a true story, but give us some visual behind it. Right. Give a little bit of like umph to it. Anyone like could that. just sit there and put a camera and someone like, okay, tell the story. Right. It takes yeah. creativity and art though to be like, okay, That's so he said it. it was sunny day so let's do it like this mm-hmm. and he said it was a blue house so let's see if we can find a find blue, a blue house. house yeah get a couple kids play in the yard mm-hmm. and mom's out here doing laundry and it's based in the 1940s so we'll get this kind of car and yeah like i don't know just like recreate it. it's so much more entertaining i think i agree completely and i also retain the story a lot better too yeah like i'm also because i can kind of remember what I'm watching. I'm mm-hmm. like, I remember them showing this kind of car and he's coming back and yeah. there's a fight happening and I remember seeing the two people arguing. Right. So it's like, it's easier for me to remember the story as yeah, well when I see that. visual learners, yeah. So, I don't know, I feel like documentaries, if they're made in a certain way, amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, like My Octopus Teacher. Did you watch that one? I didn't. Oh my gosh, you should watch My Octopus Teacher. It's like the most sad, like amazing journey of this little octopus guy. Um, this guy just moved to Africa and like um, just went swimming every single day and he found a young octopus and then made friends with this octopus over the the octopus's life mm-hmm. and um, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen really yeah it really is amazing is this something that you made or is this a do- no, documentary no, this it's is not something there? I made it's out there um, I think it won like an Academy Award actually really yeah and it, it's just filmed so beautifully under the ocean like it's great and it's, I'm, I'm assuming there's, like, a visualization of him interacting with this octopus yeah. instead of just, like, him talking about interacting with an octopus. Yeah, yeah, like, he 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 filmed the entire thing by himself in the ocean, and then they went back and, like, did some reenactment stuff of, like, him diving in the water and all this stuff. And he obviously wasn't alone, like, during those shots, but he yeah. was alone during the octopus, like, interacting, so. And see, it's the ability to tell that story that makes all the difference because yeah. you could get someone who gets... That script is like, okay, so we have to make something about a guy meeting an octopus. Okay, cool. And it's like, it's not even YouTube worthy at that point. Right. But then if you get the right person that knows how to put emotion into it, knows yeah. how to put some story behind it, knows how to beef it up a little bit, they can do something. I can win an award. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, what was that about? Oh, a guy met an octopus. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> it's like, wait this won an award? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's like one of my favorite movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah. So I'll I have to definitely it. check it out. Yeah. So one of the big things that I like to do on here to kind of get people to understand who you are, understand your story, 
Because um, I feel like everyone that's sitting right here is a product of everything and all events that have happened throughout their lives, whether it was good, whether it was bad, whether it was no matter what it was. So I want you to kind of bring me back as far back as you're comfortable going. It could be from birth or it could be from two weeks ago even. Mm-hmm. If you had all of your life happen in two weeks for some reason. Yeah. Tell me about kind of early days and the biggest like things that have kind of you think shaped you into who you are, into this person sitting with me right now. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Um well, I grew up out in Arizona. I grew up in the desert. Um, so my family would go to the lake all the time. We'd go off-roading all the time. So I was really an outdoorsy kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I wanted to take pictures of everything, um, which ended up making me a photographer when I was, like, 12 years old. So I just have really been a camera person my entire life. <laughs> okay. Um, and it started out because I was off-roading and I would take pictures of animals that we'd find out there because no one would see, like, a Gila monster anywhere, like, in the city. So. I still have yet to see one out yeah. here. Yeah, I've seen so many of them. Out um, here? Yeah. Really? Well, not in the city, but out, out when I was off-roading with my family. So okay. that's why I wanted to take pictures because we would see all these animals that you don't really get to see. Right. Um, and that's what started my journey um, with visuals and photography. Um, but then um, I made a lot of friends in high school that were musicians Hmm. Um, and I started taking photos of them and they ended up growing and getting signed to labels and going on tour so then as they were going on tour the music industry switched from photography to videography at their concerts and so I switched over to videography when the industry did Hmm. Um, and so we were like the first ones in Arizona to do that which was really crazy Um, and then I just switched only from switch from photography to videography from there um and that was kind of like what made me a storyteller that makes sense really yeah so um through a kind of like mentor of mine Mm -hmm. um he really prefaced the difference between videography and cinematography because there's so many people especially out here or LA or these prominent areas like I'm a cinematographer and I'm like no yeah you're not a cinematographer right. you're a videographer and there is a huge difference there is a very massive difference which at first like I didn't know there was a difference I was like oh cinema film okay cool or video or whatever I'm like mm-hmm. no a videographer someone you hire for a music video or mm-hmm. someone that you hire for a wedding a cinematographer is someone you hire for a movie someone mm-hmm. that you hire to they're not just out there to record an event. They're out there to tell a story. They're out there to be like, okay, when is sunset? Okay, we have mm-hmm. five minutes to get this shot. Mm-hmm. We have to get this. Um, it's sunny this day. It's cloudy this day. So we need to get, there's like so much more that goes in a cinematography. Yeah. So what was it that kind of, because you're more of a cinematographer now, right? Mm-hmm. What where was the kind of the balance between, because I know you can still make a full career out of videography. There's oh, yeah. still plenty of people that can make stupid amounts of money mm-hmm. just by doing like wedding videos or sometimes more money. Yeah, oh <laughs> like yeah, a, a lot more. Money. A lot of times, <laughs> a lot more money because yeah. like with the cinematographer, a lot of times that's like okay, your dream thing is going into Hollywood mm-hmm. and making movies or yeah. maybe being a part of an independent film thing. And at that point, you're not paid per like hour or anything. You're right. paid per project. Yeah. And spe- like especially if you're a smaller production company, mm-hmm. it's not like okay, cool. So there's this couple that's going to pay us 10,000 for this video. There's right. this couple so this month is going to be a $20,000 month. It's like mm-hmm. now you're creating these projects that could either make you a millionaire yeah. or 
just gotta wait dead broke. for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for you, what was that transition like from going from videographer to cinematographer? Um, that was a difficult one because I I still kind of am a videographer for friends of mine. You mm-hmm. know, I still do a lot of stuff for free um, for like short films and things, which like I consider myself more of a videographer when I'm doing like low budget to free situations. Yeah. Um, but I think videography is just the term of it. Like if I'm asked to do a music festival and I'm following an artist that's more of a videographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I haven't really stepped away from videography, but as turning into a cinematographer, you're, you have a whole team with you. It's not just you. You're not a one band band. So I had to learn the steps of like each department and what each assistant in each department does so that I can ask them properly what they need to do um, based off of the look that I want to give them. So it was a lot of learning to trust other people. Yeah. And um, allowing them to know more than I do, you know. I think, because I've, um, I'm definitely, I, I would not say I'm a cinematographer. I'm definitely more of a, vid- a videographer and photographer. One of the biggest things that's been the hardest part for me is letting go of the pride of outsourcing. Because yeah. you want to take over everything. You mm-hmm. want to be like, oh, I can shoot this, edit it, and mix the sound. I can do yeah. everything myself. When sometimes you have to learn how to let go of the pride and let someone else who's better than you at a certain thing do it. Do it, yeah. And was that a hard thing for you to kind of let go of a little bit? It actually wasn't because I am more grateful for the help than anything. Mm. Um, but what was, like, embarrassing, I guess, was, like, you always go in being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, this guy knows so much about all this stuff, and I don't know anything. But I had to get over the fact that, like, they're a part of my team. And mm-hmm. so if I do well, they do well. And the trust in that, like, I go into a, into a team that's better than me, and I'm like, hey, guys, like, this is the dumb terms of what I want. And you guys <laughs> go do it with the like, – because I don't really know, like – yeah. The, the verbiage very well still yeah um but it's really just trusting that they're not gonna like treat you like crap because you don't know what you're talking about it's, you yeah. know because you do know what you're talking about you just don't have the right verbiage for it well and it's i feel like it's also difficult sometimes because in all reality it's all art and everybody has their own interpretation of what good art looks like and so there's always like there's that filtering process of finding someone that's like when i on my first company I hired a couple of videographers and there was one videographer that I'm like oh my god like this looks amazing like okay I'm, I'm definitely gonna keep you on but I want to see if there is like out there I hired a couple other people and it was just like so many effects and so much this and so right. much that and I'm like I know that some people like that I'm not doubting your ability I'm not saying that you're a bad producer for anything yeah but for my style, I don't want it covered in effects. I don't want it covered right. in this. I want it to be the main focus to be what you're filming, mm-hmm. not the special effects that you put in. I know that you're the video, like you're the editor, and you want to make it look super cool and eye catchy and stuff. Yeah. But there's a certain time and place for everything, mm-hmm. and so finding that person that clicks with your vision of what you want it to be, especially if you're the lead, it's like you're taking yeah. on the client, and it's like they want this, and you're thinking in your head like. Mm-hmm. I want it to look like this. If it can look like this, it's going to be perfect. Yeah. And then trusting somebody else to be able to follow that too. Right. And being like, well, I have to pay you. So, but you also don't want to offend them. You also right. don't want to make them feel like their work isn't good. Right. And so it's that whole like boundary line of like, I don't want to say your shit is shit. 
because that's not shit. Right. It's just not what I want. Yeah. That's right. not to say anything bad about you. And people tend to not take criticism very well. Right. They're like, oh, you don't like my work? Oh, you can go fuck yourself <laughs> right. then because your shit is even shittier. Right. It's like, I don't doubt it. <laughs> yeah, no, I can guarantee my shit is probably shittier. <laughs> right. But I have a certain thing I want to produce for somebody. Yeah, right. So That's the artist in us because yeah. it is our art, but you, it's, you're getting hired to do somebody else's style. Mm-hmm. And that's your your whole reason why you're there. And so if you're if you have a style and the person hired you for your style and then they didn't like it, then that's different. But if they hired you just because you are capable and then you went completely off the wagon of what they asked for, yeah. then it's on you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to get back into a little more personal stuff. Okay. Um, so it sounded like some of your favorite memories were kind of coming from that, like, off-roading and stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to know, off the top of your head, what was your favorite childhood memory or one that you can easily go back to to kind of like help you a lot um a lot of my memories were with my dad um and he passed away eight years ago which was a huge life change for me um and so like pretty much any memory that I have with him is my best memories what kind of role did he play in your life um he was my best friend my biggest supporter biggest fan like he taught me how to do like every single thing like I, we would go camping and off-roading all the time so I know how to like get a truck unstuck I know how to drive backwards with the trailer like um so I mean even just camping stuff like cleaning up campgrounds and like filling up coolers and everything that you need to know as a production assistant mm-hmm. and like as a set production assistant that's driving a giant van and stuff so I was like already um trained on how to do my job like as a child because of my dad like we would just work on his trucks all the time and so now I know how to work on trucks and wow it was great are you an only child no I have an older brother oh okay Mm -hmm. was he was he doing this kind of stuff with your older brother too or was that he was but we were kind of separated I don't know I don't have a lot of like memories with my brother doing a lot of the stuff it was just me and my dad Okay. Um, but he was there. Yeah. It just was different, I guess. So you said it was eight years ago. I'm assuming you're mid twenties. Yes, I was twenty two. Um oh you were twenty two when this happened. Yeah. Wait, you're I'm thirty one. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. I wasn't I expecting that. Yeah, a lot you definitely of look think... a lot younger. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. How old did you think I was? I thought you were like twenty four. Yeah, I get that a lot. I get like nineteen sometimes. Yeah? Yeah. I'll I'd, take it. I need to know what kind of skin <laughs> regimen and stuff and all your... I, we're going to talk about your, your routine a little bit here because <laughs> I need to get on that a little bit. I'm, I, now that I have facial hair, people are mm-hmm. finally starting to catch my age up for right. what I actually am. Without facial hair, I look like I'm 16. Yeah. So, but I want to keep that. Yeah. I'm like, at first I was like, ah, no, I want to look older, but now I'm right. like, uh, I'm getting the, no, to the age. No, take the younger. Take the younger. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll get carded. Card me, <laughs> I please. I get carded all the time, and they look at me like, you are not 21. And I'm like, I promise you, I wish I was 21. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So how did your dad passing, how did that affect you? Um, It pretty much ruined my entire family. We, he was the glue of my family, Um, and we didn't know it. I didn't know it until he was gone. That really? We kind of just, like, all separated into different houses, and... My family has different lives um and so like he actually passed away right before i got into the film industry 
Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was doing, like, concerts and, like, videography stuff, but he passed literally a month before I got my first production assistant job on a TV show. Um, But it was, like, perfect timing that it happened in a way because um, he allowed me to, like, quit my job that I had, which was at a pet store. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And take care of him for the final moments, and then I just never went back to a normal job. I took the risk. I quit my job because of him being sick. And then I never went back. And I've been freelance ever since. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, it is the dream to be able to do something like this as a full-time thing. Mm -hmm. I I tried doing it for a little while. And while I was doing it, it was the most amazing thing. Like, it's tiring. It's exhausting. Especially, like, being in front of the camera. Like, I don't know if you ever do stuff in front of the camera. It's exhausting. But (laughs) it is absolutely exhausting. But it's also because you love it. It's insane. If you, if, please stop me if this gets too much. No, you're fine. What did he pass from, if you don't mind me asking? He had pancreatic cancer, stage four. Oh, wow. Yeah. So was everything a very sudden type of thing or was it like a drawn out? Um, It was sudden because pancreatic cancer, you can't find it until it's too late. So it starts hurting, like, when it's too late, um, and there's no surviving rate whatsoever. It's, like, 98% die in the first year. Oh, my gosh. And he did chemo and things, and instead of... He had, like, four weeks to live at the time, but he did chemo, and he survived for 10 months. Oh, my gosh. So we had 10 more months with him. And during those 10 months, was it, like, bed rest for the entire time or was it more of like we need to get out and live the rest of this time so I love my dad so much because I asked him that I was like what do you want to do with the rest of your life like let's go skydiving let's go to Australia whatever you want to do yeah I'll quit my job and let's go and he was like I've lived my life like like that already like he like my whole life like we would go on toys we had jet skis we'd go to Mexico we would go to the lake and like that's just how I was raised and so that's how he lived his life was like I've already done everything that I wanted to do um so we asked him though we were like what you have to do something whatever you need and um his choice was to buy um the jeep that I actually drive now that everyone like knows my jeep people that are watching this will will know what I'm talking about but um it's like one of the best off-road vehicles that were ever built the year that it's it is and everything it's 2014 jeep rubicon two-door um, and he bought it brand new and we just went off roading until he couldn't drive anymore and then he gave it to me so I'm assuming this is the car that you're going to keep for the rest of your life yeah like yeah yeah. I'll buy a second car right yeah then. but yeah. keep that one mm-hmm. that wow yeah that's insane yeah so we just off roaded every weekend until he couldn't do it anymore and have you been able to kind of co- like what was it what was like the morning process for you like because I mean especially being that close to somebody who is that big of a supporter I know a lot of people can completely fall off the deep end and was that how it was for you or were you able to bounce back pretty quickly um I still am not over it um but I would guess I guess falling off the deep end is a good way to say it for like (laughs) years though yeah Um, But I am very lucky because, again, like, I started my film career a month later. Yeah. And so, like, I was navigating how to be a freelancer in a a department that doesn't like females to be in their department. So Hmm. I was, like, very sensitive already. And then I was getting kind of hazed at the same time. So it was really hard to maneuver, like, 
by the production sets yeah by by camera department sets yeah they um they there's a certain reason why they haze and we can talk about that in a second but um i was already sensitive before going into the hazing process and so it was very difficult to see if it was me that was the problem or mm-hmm. if they were hazing me or if what was going on um but it's been i've just yeah again like i've been really lucky because i love my job so much and yeah. i kind of had this like hit the ground running full speed ahead mindset that has gotten me to where I'm at now. And like, it was actually this year that was the first time that I was actually able to talk about my dad without crying all the time. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's tissues right there. So if we need to, we can. (laughs) I'm I'm almost there. Um, but it was just because also like my career finally hit, like I did all this work and like, Mm -hmm. when am I going to ever see like the work that I put in? And all of a sudden this year, like, I got voted onto the board of the Arizona Production Association. Wow. Yeah, in January. So that was really crazy because that was all my peers that, like, I thought didn't like me, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. over the years because I was so sensitive or whatever yeah. I was. Um, and they voted me in, which means a lot to me. And then I got to be a part of this new organization, Arizona Filmmakers, as a community I educator. I had David on here. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, he's already been one of my guests. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm a community educator with them and so we do workshops and things um there and it's just like just changed my career into like being a, a leader now instead of the one that was trying to get up there it's just pretty crazy how long did it take you to go from like that lower and en- like lower level of production to now like this leader in all of it um I would say seven years. Okay, so it wasn't just like in like one year that you were able to go from like here to here. It was um, very much like a. Yeah, because well, I was I started because I was a videographer before for like seven years basically. I've been doing this for thirteen years. Okay. Uh, fourteen years now. Um, so I was a videographer for seven years, and then I restarted as an intern production assistant, and I was a PA and a camera PA for like three or four years. Mm-hmm. until I became an AC and that was like three or four years and then now so maybe like three or four years in the camera department now I'm a leader in it okay so it's it's but you've had to climb ladder a little bit yeah okay yeah. which I, I like to emphasize that part because mm-hmm. there's so many people that are like oh why can't I just go and be on the top level and it's like you, you have, have to understand you, you gotta like go through the levels and stuff it's yeah. why like with bars the most successful ones are one where like the owner has been a bartender himself and then has gone through the different things because you can relate to the people under you so much easier Mm -hmm. it's a thing towards like he doesn't even understand what we're going through how can you say it like on a film set when I'm with a director and they're like getting on the sound people and stuff like why can't you make it sound like this I'm like do you realize (laughs) like do you know what peaks are do you know what this is do you know what that is or when the camera person or like when they're when someone like producers like getting on the camera guy like oh why can't you make it look like this and it's like because it's physically not possible right the lighting that we have versus what we have the lens like you want this right but we have this budget and right we have this equipment i cannot tell you how many times i've said that yeah. <laughs> sentence like you want it to look like this but you didn't bring me anything to make yeah. it look like that you know it's like post editing can do some really cool stuff but mm-hmm. it's still not at a point where you can completely make like a 35 millimeter look like an 85 millimeter <laughs> yeah. and still maintain the same composition maintain the same quality and like that's another thing that like when i was talking to my cinematographer mentor him kind of going into the differences like oh people are spending all this money on these 16k cameras and mm-hmm. stuff and it's like 
the sensors can't even pick that up. Right. Our naked eye can't pick that up. Yeah. Like it's literally useless unless yeah. you have everything to back it up. Just mm-hmm. because you have a, a like a lens or something, or I don't even know everything else that he kind of went into. But if you have all the other stuff to back it up, then it kind of does matter. But even then, I mean, it, you're just dealing with a lot more memory at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So and we don't even have TVs. Like people are buying 8K cameras, and it's like yeah. all everyone's TVs are 4K. Yeah. So, like, I only, when people ask me, they're like, here's an 8K camera, let's shoot the whole thing in an 8K. And I'm like, why? Yeah. I only shoot 8K if there's, like, heavy VFX. If there's a creature in the background or something, Mm -hmm. then I'll go up to 8K. But I'll shoot everything in 6K just so that they can crop in. Yeah. But I understand that. Like, even, uh, like, high in production, I know, like, even Mr. Beast, he doesn't even like doing 4K. He sticks to 1080 and stuff still. It's like, I watch everything on my phone. Yeah. (laughs) Most of the stuff is watched on my phone. Like, Mm -hmm. my TV, I don't even think it's 4K yet. I still have, like, a 1080p. Yeah, me too. And it looks fine. I'm like, even when it's, like, grainy, I'm like, I'm still able to watch it. But, Mm -hmm. like, I'm like, I don't need it to look. Like, the only time I think anything above, like, 6K is necessary is Mm -hmm. if it's being, like, shown on a projection type of screen. Like, Mm -hmm. something that's stupid Like Oppenheimer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's just absolutely ridiculous cameras. Honestly, but that kind of stuff pisses me off for, like, the equipment type of Mm -hmm. side of things because these companies get away with, like, oh, we're going to make a $20,000 more expensive camera because it's 8K instead of 6K. And now you're doing this, and, like, everyone's like, oh, my God. like Now we need 8K. And, like, they're kind of passing it on to the clients of, like, mine's going to look better because it's 6K instead of 4K, and it's like... (laughs) It looks the same. (laughs) Yeah, it literally doesn't make a difference. Yeah. So they have to export it in 4K anyway. Yeah. So and the memory, oh my god! Like even this, my phone shoots 4K, yeah. but I shoot everything 1080 because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'd rather have something that's one gigabyte to transfer over instead right. of 10 gigabytes to transfer yeah, over. Yeah, because then it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. And just like memory offloading and stuff, because mm-hmm. the amount of times I'm on set and it's like we have 10, 10 terabyte hard drives <laughs> and stuff for one film. Like yeah. Every scene they have to like offload it and right. stuff and do all that. I'm like. I couldn't imagine no. having to go through all that. That's just ridiculous. That is why I'm not an editor. Yeah. Thank God that I pass off all of my footage to other people. Because <laughs> like, you would never see anything ever. Yeah. If I did it. Um, so I'm kind of curious about this hazing stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little so bit about that. In the camera department, you have to be a camera. Well, you should be a camera PA first because all of the gear that we're using is $100,000 or more. Mm-hmm. Um, the lens is $100,000. The camera is, the batteries are like $1,000 a piece. The memory cards are $1,000 a piece. And you have to put it all together. So it's like a, a house. You're holding mm-hmm. a house in your hands. So the reason why there's a hazing process is to show you, hey, this cable I just handed you is $500. It's this big, but it costs $500. And so like it just is, the hazing process is to show you how important every little single piece is mm-hmm. so that you know like, don't bunch up the cable because now you just broke $500 piece of equipment. Um, so you just get like trusted with certain small things as you grow. And the better that you get at it, the faster you go go through the now your second AC instead of a camera PA, your first AC once you get second AC down, you know. So what do you mean by hazing though? Because when, when you when you say hazing, yeah. I'm thinking in my head like college fraternity thing, yeah. like butt chugging two beers <laughs> at once while you're singing the um, national anthem type of stuff <laughs> it's not that bad but like um i had a director that if anything like if the camera ever died i would have to do 10 push-ups 
Really? You know? Yeah, and it was stuff like that where like they'd be like, go fix this thing that doesn't exist. So you're like, but they're testing you to think like the best thing that you can do is be like, I don't know what that is. But yeah. a lot of people are like, okay, sure, I'll go do that. And then they'll like be gone for an hour or two like, trying to find this it. thing that doesn't exist. Um, and so they, they haze you in those ways of like, hot. they didn't ask like what it was. And that's how you can tell the difference yeah. between someone who's like a little bit more, I guess I wouldn't, I don't want to say like smarter right off the bat, but yeah. like, you know, you don't want to just go waste an hour or two. Like we were waiting on you to come back with the thing that doesn't exist. But if I had asked immediately and I did, I was like, I don't know what this is. But if you ask immediately, what is that? Then they'll be like, okay, it doesn't exist. And now we're not hazing you. Okay. You, so it's, you've reached so your next level. It is better than at that point to let go of the pride of pretending that, you know, what everything is yeah. and just be like, Hey, I don't know what that port is. I've yeah. never heard of that. I've never seen it. Can you at least explain it to me? Yeah. What does it look like? Where that's what it they're is? looking for. Yes. That's what they want you to do. Okay. Yeah. And so if you don't, and you're just wasting everyone's time looking yeah. for something that that's a test. Gotcha. And you failed it. Which, I don't know, it's very counterintuitive in a way that, like, I feel like there's a certain stigma put on people that don't know, especially like, if they're in a certain industry. They want to be, impress people. They want to be that person on set that knows what everything is, yeah. that does all that. But you also don't know what you don't know. Right. And so, like, I, I completely understand. I mean, there's plenty of times where someone's explaining something to me. And I don't want to seem super stupid. So I'm like, uh-huh. No, I know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm, I'm especially like with this podcast, with learning about different industries, I'm finally getting comfortable with like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. You're going to have to explain to me a little bit more. Like you're mm -hmm. talking in these terms that I have no idea. Right. I had um, another guy. I don't know if you're familiar with the Berbers or not, mm -hmm. um, but I had uh, Carlos on. The knowledge that man has in equipment and all that kind of stuff just blew me away. Mm -hmm. And he was just going on and on and on about all this. And in my head, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know anything you're talking about. I'm going to let you go on, though, because yeah. I'm sure someone does. Right. And I'm, I don't need to know this right now, so I'm just going to let you go on. Yeah. But and it's like if I was working with him, mm -hmm. I already know, like especially if I was like part of his crew or something, a million and one questions like I don't know what this is what yeah. does it mean to transport this into this right or what right. is this type of file or what do you mean by this mm -hmm. like there's so much jargon and stuff that goes into it right. but at the same time you also don't want to seem dumb you don't want to yeah. be that guy that's like Mr. Question right and stuff yeah I've had plenty of jobs even to where if you question like there's a happy medium to where it's mm -hmm. like some people think that some stuff should be common sense and they're like why are you asking this? You're just wasting right. my fucking time at this point. Yeah. If you don't know what it is, you don't belong in this industry. Right. That's like that's the response I'm afraid of getting. Yeah. Even like, well, that's on that person too, because like, yes, there's a there is a line where it's like you obviously haven't studied whatsoever on anything. Yeah. Or there's like there is never any stupid questions, so it's just probably they don't have time at the moment yeah. that that would be said, you know. But every single person who has someone below them should be open to teaching because how is that person below you ever going yeah. to get to your position if you don't answer the question they asked and then i think it also goes into learning the appropriate times for the questions yeah. though because if you see like when i've been on sets and there's someone that's asking constant questions i'm like if you see they're working right now save it for when it's like in between yeah. takes or on a lunch or something I'm like hey so i noticed that you did this can you tell me about that exactly instead of like right in the middle of doing because i used to do that a little bit yeah. like right right when they're 
getting ready to do this. I'm like, hey, what do you mean? Like, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> right. we're about to do this. I'm like, yeah. oh shit, he doesn't want me to ask him questions and stuff. Right, and it's like, right. no. Just in that moment. Yeah, in yeah. that moment, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Let's get this done. Yeah. And then you can ask the questions, <laughs> like, after, like, when we're at lunch or something. Yeah. And so sitting on your phone and doing I've done all that those. a few times to people. Like, I have a camera rolling on my yeah. shoulder, and someone comes up and asks me a question, and I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But then I come out, like, I take the camera off, and I'm like, okay, what did you say? Yeah. You know? So I try to make an effort on my own side, being like, I remember you had a question, like, and then I go back to them so that they don't feel that way. Because mm-hmm. I, during my hazing period, like, I was just kind of pushed a little bit more than the guys were. Um, and so I thought that I was the problem, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I never wanted to make other people to feel like they were the problem. Honestly, I like that, though, because this is already a super competitive and insane field, whether mm-hmm. you're in front of the camera or behind the camera. And I remember when I was first becoming an actor, learning what all the terms were for even like I didn't know what sides were. I'm like, yeah, give me a script, and like, oh yeah, here's this. I already sent these sides. I'm like, yeah, I see, I see the sides, but I need the script. Right. And they're like, so having learned that, and then having to learn um, just all the different things that they were saying. Like, obviously, we know what action is, we know what cut is, but some people don't, don't even know what that is. Or they're like, okay, take two and we're still rolling, boom. And I'm like, I don't know what all that kind of stuff means. And so there, I feel like, especially for smaller productions or something, like, to ha- you, you do have to have some patience for those who are learning. Yeah. Because. That was me. Yeah. I was learning. Yeah. To get to where I am. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like this pride kind of takes too much of a thing of like, oh, um, you're here to steal my job type of thing right. so I'm not going to teach you yeah. or like I don't know there's just too many chips on people's shoulders mm-hmm. of like oh, I'm, I'm going to teach them the wrong way so they're not going to replace yeah. me type of stuff especially I be the out best. here in a small community yeah. uh, we've had a lot of problems with that in Arizona um, but I think it's changing now because I've always had this thing of there's always going to be enough jobs for all of us Yeah. because if every single one of us does really well then we're going to be bringing jobs mm-hmm. to everybody but exactly. if everyone's not learning anything then there's only two people to take the five jobs and we're, they're not going to come back if we have three people that suck at the job that that is the thing that when you're starting a community like how arizona's kind of starting with film a lot of people are like oh my friends already started a production company i can't it's like you do you know how many production <laughs> companies there are in la yeah do you know how many there are in atlanta right like yes obviously there's the big prominent ones mm-hmm. but those are based off of like every celebrity that i know of has their own production company yeah. at this point like all these actors and stuff, they mm-hmm. make their own. Yeah. And they're still profitable because mm-hmm. of the fact of there's stories, there's always stories to tell. There's yeah. always, actors are never going to stop wanting work. Mm-hmm. The more stories that there are, there's able to be more jobs. It's yeah. just more everything. Yeah. So when people are like, oh, how dare you start a production company? I already have one. It's like, cool, combine them. Yeah. Combine well, like, Are you going to pay me and hire me what I'm going to make? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's the same combine work together because you guys can still work as LLCs, production companies together as mm-hmm. freelancers. What's well, why in association with? Yeah. That's why when you see those movies and stuff, it'll be like one thing, but then there's like 20 other production companies yeah, behind them. Right. They're, they're outsourcing different things. Like I each like person your knows. Yeah. I like your cinematographer. I like your thing. Mm-hmm. I, I want your guys's thing. 
Like there's, I've seen some towards like literally the first five minutes of the movies is literally just in association with and partnership yeah. and association literally, with. Literally, yeah. It's just doing that. It's like, damn. I know. A lot of it takes a lot of people. This. And that's the thing. If you have the mindset of like, oh, you made one that I have already, then you're never going to make as much stuff as you yeah. think that you are. You Absolutely. have to bring everyone in, even if you thought that you didn't like them. So in the, from when you first started to where you are today, for those who don't really know what it's like to be in your position with being a producer, a director, and all that kind of stuff, and having work on like TV sets and feature-length films and music videos and like pretty much everything, what were some of like the most unexpected challenges that you've had to face that you had no idea could, would, or like would ever happen in that? Um, I hate to like keep talking about it over and over again but it was like the people not wanting me to be there oh yeah um because i was a female like i cannot tell you how many jobs that i haven't gotten as a dp director of photography because i was a female really i've been told that the clients um didn't want me because i was a female and they didn't think i was able to do the story <laughs> that just confuses me though cause, like I okay so I could understand if it was a physically demanding job to where it's mm-hmm. like we need someone that can lift a couple hundred pounds mm-hmm. multiple times throughout the day yeah um, unless you're a bodybuilding female that mm-hmm. is just Miss Olympia or something yeah but for something like women are naturally known to typically be more of mm-hmm. the kind of creative like obviously yes it is a male dominated industry yeah and i i still don't like that Mm -hmm. but at the same time i've seen stories by females and not only are they good but they're relatable and that's a big thing Mm -hmm. because females are naturally the nurturing ones yeah they can connect to emotion which that's what you need in a storyline you Mm -hmm. need to be able to connect to the audience's emotion that's how you hook them Mm -hmm. those movies that have won everything it wasn't because of all the special effects it's because of the fact of there was a solid beginning, middle, end. There was a climax. There was a hook. There was something that kind of kept it going. Yeah. That's why, like, in regular entertainment on YouTube and all these other things, yes, it, it does help being attractive, and I'm not going to, like, discriminate against that, but mm-hmm. a lot of them, they just make it more appealing. There's more colors. There's yeah. better sound. Like, they care more about making it aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. and then adding in, like, some emotion inst- instead of just having some guy with a black wall black microphone with a monotone <laughs> voice and like hi everyone welcome back yeah. so we're gonna do this it's like some you see some girls like oh my god let's <laughs> do this hey guys and it's like some people are annoyed by it but at the yeah. same time it's like that adds an extra hook yeah it's different than what you've seen before yeah, yeah. exactly so that's just like it's weird i know i haven't been in the industry long enough to fully see that and obviously mm-hmm. being a guy myself yeah i don't get to full on see that if you but, look for it it's there yeah it's, it's in every department um, but I think I think that's gone away quite a bit since like the last two or three years because mm-hmm. there has been a movement to at least hire. I've been talking about this for years, like at least hire one female in every department so that you have that eye. Yeah. Um, that you don't usually have because I get hired a lot um, because the company wants a female. And so like that kind of is iffy for me, too, because it's like the only reason why you're hiring me is because yeah. you need a female. But I want to be hired because I'm good at what I do. See, I think there's a big thing when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. When it comes to 
Um, I was actually talking to another buddy of mine about how some of the commercials are, and um, I know that there's a th- there's like that whole thing with wanting to be inclusive with like all races, all mm-hmm. genre or genders, and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, yeah, I was watching this commercial. It was a family, but there was a black guy, an Asian guy, a Mexican guy, and a white guy. And it's yeah. like unless everyone's adopted, that right. makes no sense. Right. It's, there's like I can imagine if it's like yeah, we're just neighbors and stuff, but it was like brother, sister, mom, uncle, dad. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I understand what you guys are trying to do. You guys right. are trying to be inclusive, but yes, you, you yeah, you gotta to make have it, it make it make sense. Yeah, they just change the word from family to like a group of friends. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I honestly, I I feel that too. Like, I don't know. It's so I know this is me the most controversial take <laughs> ever on here. Yeah, but being in this industry as a young white man now is mm-hmm. becoming the detriment oh i know <laughs> and i i know how much fire i'm gonna get for that yeah but at least coming from like the acting side and even like producing side mm-hmm. or anything like that everyone's now looking for yeah what's going to help make it like a poc mm-hmm. or something different like that and while i have nothing against all that yeah everyone's trying to jump on that bandwagon mm-hmm. and it's not for the reasons of right. like like it's always it's it's not for the reasons that they just like oh yeah we want like we want to be known for the people that includes everyone it's like, right just do it i have something worse to say let's, let's hear it <laughs> um so women had a movement just for like a tiny little second where white women had a moment because and that's horrible too because like white women get flagged because we were just right underneath white men yeah for our entire careers but or our entire lifetimes but um when women had something we had like a week where white women could get hired for things and then it went to lgbtq plus and yeah. you know and then now i don't get anything over white men most yeah. of the time so i'm just right back i'm underneath white men still yeah. and you guys have gone to the bottom which and it's not to say like i i don't want to say that in a sense that like we should stop hiring POC and no, all that. No, But it's in just a sense harder. of just like the, I guess, the reasoning behind all of it too. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because they like, it's because they want to be known for including all these different types of things. And it's like, we need to have a, an African American on our set to do this or um, to be included in this festival or something. It's like, just include like, yeah include a character with it right and just do casting based off of not skin tone but off of their ability right like yeah that's that's what i'm saying like there's there's not been a female who's won best cinematography um in the academy awards ever in history really ever and so i that's a goal of mine i want to be the first female to win best cinematography at the academy awards but so sit like with the um Leonardo DiCaprio thing where like he should have won like a hundred times or whatever and then he won one year that everyone didn't really think that he should have won for that role Mm -hmm. I don't want the the female cinematographer to win just because it's a political argument you want want her to have done something beautiful and have earned it you know yeah and so that's where I'm at with that like that viewing is like I would just want people to have earned it there's nothing wrong with your skin tone or your like yeah you know but it's just if you're capable if you if you practice if you've done the work yeah i just i hate how involving like 
politics and all that kind of stuff get into something that has absolutely nothing to do with politics. Right, yeah. So I'm like, when I can understand needing an LGBT person for a role mm-hmm. that has to do with like same sex type of stuff. Yeah. But the amount of straight men that I know that would do a kissing scene with a guy. Yeah. And it's like, we prefer only LGBT. I'm like, right. how do you know if I'm LGBT? Do you yeah. just look at me and be like, you're gay? <laughs> right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Or you're cool. I'm like, it's like none of their business either yeah you know exactly like i've thought about saying that i was a lesbian just so i could get the job oh my god yeah you know but then i didn't want that to go viral being like oh kayla's a lesbian now because i'm not one right and i don't want to pretend to be one to get a job and then it blow up in my face either way i've i've seen some like stuff on like actors access and backstage where it's like make sure you're in the lgbtq community and you're doing this and i'm like why does it fucking matter right like yeah, like you, what does it make it mean unless different? Unless you're making a porno to where I'm literally having <laughs> sex with a dude. Yeah. Then I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've 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 kissed a dude before. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm gay, but right. it also doesn't mean that like that I'm not highly against it yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, right. I think that makes it just like a, just a wall in yeah. between us even more. Like I've I've seen the amount of straight actors, straight men that I've seen full and make out. Mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. was the star of Brokeback Mountain. Right. The most. <laughs> gay movie I could ever think of. <laughs> yeah. Along with um oh my god. Why am I forgetting his name too? Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> he was like he's like one of the best actors in the world. Heath Ledger. Yeah. Two very straight guys mm-hmm. playing the most gay movie I could ever think of. Right. I mean I can see that because like we weren't including gay people at the time, but now that there are, I, I can see why they would be upset about that. Yeah. But nowadays it's like who's the better actor? Yeah, exactly. I think, in my in my view, it's, I think that. I like you shouldn't be hired just because of your sexual preference. Yeah. It should be based off of like, okay, well, if you're straight, can you at least kiss a guy and make it look passionate? Right. Can yeah. you make it look like you're not disgusted by doing it? <laughs> yeah. If you can, cool. I've right. played a gay guy in, a, in the thing before. Yeah. Like, yes, they preferred LGBTQ, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I mean, I'm straight, but I mean, there's it. no kissing scenes or anything. Yeah. I'm literally just like talking about how I, I like a dude. Okay. Right. Cool. Yeah, that's Put acting. That's called acting. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's literally what our career is, mm-hmm. is doing something that we're probably not ourselves. Yeah. So, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of touching to like the producing side of stuff, mm-hmm. but. I'm just, I'm really confused of why it's so discriminatory towards women. Yeah. Like, I have, do you know why, like, you've been discriminated against or, like, why there is that kind of. I think it's just an old view. Because, mm. um, I see it as, like, men who are older than me have always, like, been trained that, like, women should be at home in the kitchen and they should be, like, at home moms yeah. and, like, cooking you food all the time and, like, and the men will like carry the luggage for them and open the door for them and they drive and they like you know yeah um and that's been hard for me because like i have to move a bunch of gear that all weighs 80 pounds each you know and so when i'm moving gear people will come up to me and be like taking it out of my hand because i'm not capable of doing something like that does it bother you when they do that it used to bother me but then like i i just finally realized in 2020 that oh they were taught to take my luggage from me you know as like a civil thing as a man like yeah. open the door for the woman carry her bags and so then i've switched it in my brain being like oh they don't think i'm incapable which it, they do think i'm incapable <laughs> you know like because they're gonna take it away from me but now i'm like oh you know what you hurt your backs i'll i'll yeah go ahead you can take my stuff see there's its own point in that too with 
now I feel like you should ask. Like, don't just come up and yeah. assume, like, oh, you can't carry it. Right. Like, hey, do you mind if I help you? Yeah. It looks like, or, like, if you're obviously struggling, like, I'm, I'm going to help you out. It yeah. looks like you're about to tumble down. It <laughs> yeah. looks like you're about to, like, hurt yourself. Right. But if they're just carrying it, I'm like, no, but I just, I hate how kind of, like, politically correct it's all gotten. Like, oh, you want to carry it because it's because I'm a girl. Right. Uh, and I'm like, chill. I know. I was trained at this thing called chivalry. Yeah. This thing that used exactly. to exist. Yeah. To where... I mean, I, I could just not help you out anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. And then that's the reaction you get. It's like, oh, well, then I won't help you then. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like in that there's that whole feminism thing and mm-hmm. there's like all that that goes into like some that take it too far with like he asked me if he could hold this for me. How right. dare he? It's like I've had a few girls. I've talked to a few girls who like came up crying because they were said told something. And I'm like, that was nothing compared to the things that used to happen. Like and it really? wasn't really anything it was like oh yeah someone like wanted to pick up my thing and they were crying about it I'm like you're gonna have to toughen up <laughs> and <laughs> like, it, you'll be okay <laughs> and it caters to them too much though I yeah because like they'll go to a director and be like he was a dictator like I've had yeah. people or I've had guys I've talked to that were like I'm afraid to literally look at a female on yeah, set now I know because, that's horrible um I had one that um i think it was just like a simple compliment like oh you look really nice today mm-hmm. and then immediately he got um sent he had a call from them like hey you're fired from the yeah. set for sexual harassment because it's like there's so much of this political correctness of like i i i mean i've talked to some people but i'm even afraid half the time when mm-hmm. i go on set to like part like all interact with the guys yeah the opposite sex interaction on set is one of the scariest things in the world because yeah. yes, there are some that is completely innocent right. and like there's a lot of females like oh I don't care yeah, yeah. talk to me like I unless you're straight smacking my ass right. or you're doing this then no but then there are some that take it too far and they're right. like he said I was attractive I know <laughs> oh my god I have heard that that's the one that I was t- talking her down I was like yeah he said that you're attractive but like that's the compliment and like it's not yeah. sexually harassing you like you can work with him for the rest of the week yeah and I was like come back to me if it gets worse you know I just hate how blurred the lines have gone because I've heard of some bad horror stories from yeah sex. I have a couple really <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about those okay. on here okay I can't um because there are people that still work and live in Arizona which it's sad too because I've I'm just now kind of um, getting into the community enough to know more about some of the people that I'm like, oh my God, I've always wanted to work with them. But then I'll talk to other people that have worked with them mm-hmm. and have interactions. They're, they're like, do not work with this person. I'm yeah. like, wait, what? Right. Like I've, I've, <laughs> I've been looking at him since the day I got into this industry. Right, yeah. I've been wanting to work with him forever. Mm-hmm. Like what's wrong? And they tell me, I'm like, Right. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm literally like, no, yeah. don't like you're like doing the whole thing of don't ever meet your hero type right. of thing. Like, well, I wouldn't believe everybody because yeah. like because a lot of people have that story about me. A lot of people have this like weird made up story that I don't even know how far it's gotten at this Do you point. Mind telling the story. I don't know what the story is. I just have like a lot of people that are like, oh, Kayla's crazy. Like, don't work for her. She's whatever. And I'm like, hmm. what did I do? That made me crazy. Like, I've asked so many people when they told me that story, and they're like, oh, I don't actually know. I'm like, yeah, because you you weren't there for that person to tell you that. And now you're saying that that story based off of this person who wasn't even there for the first story that they were told. And I'm like, where did this originate from? I know. And so I've, like, I 
take people's stories about people into consideration. Yeah. But then I want to meet the person and see who they are as a person in front of me because yeah. people change anyways. Unless it's like sexual assault, right? <laughs> then definitely don't work with them. But like if it's yeah. just something other than that, like I'm a completely different person than I was three years ago. There's no way that even if I was crazy to one person ten years ago that I would ever act that way. Right. Now, you know. I mean, I've had some, like, I, I will always try to take a story or an accusation or anything with a grain of salt, because, mm-hmm. like you said, there are two different sides of the story. There could be, like, just coming, thinking from um, a psychology standpoint, there could be a girl that has been abused hardcore, and if there was a guy who might have looked like the guy who abused them, or there could be some sort of psychological trigger that when that happens, it's blown up in their head because yeah. it's the response. That's their auditory response mm-hmm. to such happening. Even if it was this like they touched hands by reaching for the same cord. Right. And immediately that goes into some sort of abuse situation right. they've been through. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I'm not comfortable at all with right. that person. Yeah. Based off of something that, that the person's like, I didn't even know that we touched hands. I was yeah. literally grabbing the XLR cords right. for this and like yeah. accidentally grazed your hand. So I, I feel like everything should be with a grain of sand, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I do think that both, like, especially when it comes to getting jobs and stuff, get both sides of the story before because exactly. I've talked to some people that's like, I didn't even know what I did wrong. Right. I didn't. How even can know. I know, or how could I learn from this if I don't even know what I did? Yeah. Like and they don't even know what. Yeah. What I like did. you don't have to tell me who who it was or anything. Just yeah. tell me like, oh, you said this to this person and made them uncomfortable. Right. I'm like, oh. I'm sorry. They yeah. were wearing this, and so I was. I wanted to comment on right. how cool the dress looked on right. them, yeah. or something, or just something minuscule. Mm-hmm. So I get that, yeah. And it's just like a the person who got upset should have been able to talk to you about it too, in a way, yeah. you know. And if they're not able to, like, at least don't tell stories about you to everyone. So now you're yeah. somebody that's not going to get work because you sexually like harass somebody yeah. when you're just saying that was a nice dress. You know, you're ruining someone's life over a, a sentence that they didn't even mean the way that you took it and I'm I hate that so much it, so I don't know there's just so many lines that get blurred with all this kind of, like it's not just the production and stuff it's yeah. so much liking and disliking and he said this or she said this mm-hmm. and especially with how like politically correct everyone's getting now with like what can happen in a certain instance like oh if you don't like this person you can make up a story about them and get them kicked off and blacklisted from everything in their yeah, entire life right or there could be other instances because I know that in the history of production and filmmaking, women have been in very inappropriate situations because it is a male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. And like even my first acting coach was telling me different stuff of people that she's heard. I'm like, oh my god, mm. how could like how? Yeah, why? But then other instances to where I'm like, yeah, this girl said this about me. I talked to her. I'm like, I mean, it wasn't that bad. I'm yeah. Like, you ruined his life. Literally. Oh my god! <laughs> you literally just no chill either. Like, so eh, whatever. And that's a, that's also the unfortunate thing with acting is the fact that it's usually not mentally sane people. It's usually oh, yeah. people that have the ability to reach these heights in their emotion, mm. and so it's those abil- those people with the abilities to act crazy, and so right. it's, it feeds the thing. It's not like oh like. They're just still in character. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it could be something so small. I'm like, oh my god, I I just I can't believe this happens. Like, chill. You're not right. playing that role anymore. But they're naturally like that. They naturally their body 
because of the roles that they play, they're used to being able to reach down Tap to those things in. and be like, abused brain, activate, cool. Right. And now I can play victim card for oh, this and God. make it so much more amplified. Yeah. Like, there's so much that goes into it. And right. it's one of the reasons why, like, I guess, like, even now when I'm on site, I'll say, hi, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm, I know a lot of women like when men initiate, and mm-hmm. that's, like, a whole classic thing. But because of how scary it is now, yeah. I'm sorry, but the most I will do is, how you doing? Yeah, right. How long have you been acting? I'll ask you about yeah. your career with my hands behind my back and <laughs> oh, man. doing that. And right. it's like... I mean, <laughs> it is scary as a female coming because I, I pick people up in the airport and I work with them for, you know, days at a time. And, right. and sometimes it's like, okay, go pick up the stranger and then go to their hotel room to build cameras. And so, like, it's a very fine line of, like, if I go in this room, am I going to get attacked yeah. or am I going to build a camera? And, of course, every time I build a camera and nothing has happened, but, th- I mean, that's the industry that we're in. It's like yeah. I pick up a stranger and go to their hotel room. <laughs> See, those kinds of instances, though, I feel like there should always be a third person yeah. there because you could have put on a different story and been like, he did this to me. Yeah. He could have put on a different story and said, she is trying to accuse me of this or she did this to me. And so having those kind of instances, I feel like is too dangerous Mm -hmm. now. Like you need to have a third person that doesn't have any personal bias towards anybody to go in there and be like, what did you see happen? Like I was with them and literally nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily sometimes I'm picking up like the producer and the cam ops, you know, and so that, but like the producers in their room in the hotel, you know, yeah, and it's like they've been best friends for for ten years or something. So who would I call? Yeah, you know? so it's just a very, um, if you think about it, dangerous profession. You know, if you had to completely start over from scratch, starting today with resources that you have, without like all the cool equipment that you have, but with just like the knowledge, mm-hmm. and. Um, you're not starting back from when you did start back. You're starting back from today. Mm-hmm. How would you start completely fresh today? I would move to England. Really? I would. Yeah. Why? Because that's where all the movies are being made. They're not being made in L.A. They're not being made in New York. Like the, Every single movie that you have seen in the last 10 years, a piece of it, if not a majority of it, has been filmed elsewhere. A lot of it in England. That's one of the reasons why I was looking into Atlanta because mm-hmm. I know Alan- Atlanta is definitely spiking with prominence, mm-hmm. but even that, no? No, they're moving away from Atlanta because really? of their politics. Yeah. So it's all going towards England now. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere in the States that you know of that's like kind of generating towards? Um, I mean, I haven't really been paying attention because like Atlanta is kind of, they've been moving away because of their politics. New Mexico because they're gun, gun issues. <laughs> Um, That's fair. LA is kind of imploding on itself because all the strikes. New York is too expensive. So um, I'm not sure. Like, there's been a lot in Oklahoma, a lot of movies in Oklahoma. Really? Um, Utah is actually building a bunch of sound stages. And then Arizona, we just passed a tax incentive. So we're building a bunch of sound stages too. So, where do you think that production for Arizona is going to lead to? I think in the next five years, we'll start getting some more more things coming in bigger productions a lot of people want to come out here but our tax incentive that just passed isn't good enough really mm-hmm. it's not competitive with the rest of the states who've just passed incentives or have had incentives so 
it's not going to be like, a, oh, we have an incentive and now everyone's going to come here type of move. Mm. Um, but because of the incentive, it has made investors for those sound stages want to actually break ground and they're going to start actually building sound stages. And that'll probably take two-ish years to even com- complete any size of those because they they have 55 stages planned. I oh, think wow. they're starting with 14. Yeah. So hopefully in two years, we have like five of them open. Okay. Um, and like when those come, then it'll probably start getting better. And then with the proof of um, income to Arizona state um, government, then we can probably get more percentage to the film industry. I don't know. Would you want it to blow up to the size of like Hollywood type of stuff? I here? would love to. Really? Yeah, I love Arizona so much that if I didn't have to move anywhere and I could make big movies in a soundstage here, I would die happy. And you're from here? I'm from here. See, I'm the opposite. I, yeah. I want to be able to travel somewhere else. Yeah. See, it's a hard one because I'd love to travel and vacation somewhere else. Yeah. But if I could stay in Arizona and still work and stuff, mm-hmm. then maybe... If you're hired onto a movie that, like, a majority of it's in our soundstage, but then they need, like, to fly to Italy for the outdoor scenes. Yeah. Like, you'll oh, yeah. get flown out to Italy if that's, you're on the movie. That's true. You know? Or, like, B, B team will. <laughs> so, fly out, or so you would move to England. Yes. And how would you kind of jumpstart your career in England? So, I have a mentor that lives in England. Um, oh, Okay. And he found me on Instagram, which was insane. He found you? He found me on Instagram, and he filmed every episode of Game of Thrones. He was a camera operator for all 10 years. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. How um, did he find you? I know. Um, so he's, like, in his, his like, mid-50s, so he didn't have an Instagram, like, until he started his Instagram, and um, he had, like, 200 followers or something. He yeah. just started it. And he was posting a bunch of BTS of Game of Thrones as the last two episodes were coming out. Okay. The, like, the really dark battle scene and then the last episode. I'll be honest. I think I've only seen up to like halfway through season okay. one. Okay. <laughs> so many people actually haven't seen Game of Thrones. No, like Every time I, I see I say anything, either people are like, oh my God, what? Or yeah. like, I haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's okay that you haven't seen it. But it was like the last two episodes were really crazy. Yeah. And I... this. He he found me before the last two episodes were out, so um, I actually ended up being tested. Like he was like, well, "Go watch the episode and like tell me how I filmed the scene." Really? And so I saw, like as the episode came out on air, I wasn't just watching it to find out what the story was. Yeah. I was watching it as like I'm getting tested by the guy who shot this thing. What he Ooh, did. <laughs> I like that though. <laughs> yeah. Because it shows your dedication. It, mm-hmm. it shows that you're not just some bullshit person that yeah. claims the title. Yeah. It shows that you're thinking like a cinematographer and mm-hmm. you're thinking like a camera operator with like okay well you punched in here mm-hmm. uh you probably use this kind of lens with a filter or something mm-hmm. um i'm guessing this and this like yeah all the schematics and stuff and yeah so, like if someone came up to me and was like hey like if i that makes me want to like do that test with <laughs> somebody else yeah. like i've had so many people that have come up to me like hey like how do you start your podcast and stuff and i'm like it's not as easy as you think. No, like, it's not. It's, it is, but it isn't. Like, mm-hmm. the amount of time, effort, energy, and stuff that you put into it, I'm like... Especially doing it by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've had a bunch of people that are like, yeah, I filmed, like, two episodes and did that. I'm like, I'm at 40 now. Right. So, That's try doing wild. that times 40. Yeah. Consistently. Right. At that. Not mm-hmm. just, like, one every couple months. Yeah. At least one a week for right. 40 weeks. 
try doing that and then come back. Right. It's like being able to, that hazing thing. Mm-hmm. Being, yeah, being exactly. able to kind of be like, okay. Test them. Test their willingness to do how, it. Let me yeah. see how you, let me see how, how well you work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what you know. Show me that you're at least interested in knowing that. Yes. Like, even if, like, you were to get that test and he was like, okay, do this. Even if you're like, well, I like the lighting in this. Like, even mm-hmm. if like, you were not as intelligent with all these things, which I don't know how you did mm-hmm. respond to him if you were super technical. Yeah. But even just having the ability to be like, well, I don't know how you did this, but I love how it looked like this. Yeah. For me, that shows... They're interested in learning at mm-hmm. least. They might not know it now, and that's something I could teach. Yeah. But as long as they have the drive to want to learn it, that's all I need. Exactly. Yeah. And that was basically the test, but I was very technical and I did get it right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because I already knew what kind of gear he was using. So I okay. was like, okay, for this, then you had the techno crane go through the building and up, like, you know. So it was pretty cool. But the reason why he found me was because he was posting BTS pictures and it popped up on my search page. Yeah. Because. Game of Thrones was like up everywhere at that time and I clicked on it and I just liked every single one of his pictures <laughs> and you know, when you do that the name pops up yeah. like over and over and over again so he clicked on me and um, I was lucky because he was the president of an association called the uh, camera association of camera operators in the UK okay and they had just had a board meeting saying that every single member of theirs needs to have a mentee by the end of the week so that 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 <laughs> def, that just like fell right into place. Literally, yeah. So he he mess he followed me, and I was like, it was like three in the morning, and I had been drinking, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, this guy followed me. I need to message him right now. And I was like writing out a message, and I couldn't even read what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm gonna send him a message tomorrow. Like I don't know if yeah. I can send what I am saying to this guy. Um, and so I woke up the next day from a message from him saying he liked my cinematography reel, which was like six years old, like horrible. I'm so embarrassed by it. But this guy <laughs> liked it and that he needed a mentee by the end of the week. And if I wanted to be it. So I felt very um, lucky in that sense of like, why would someone at his caliber message me to be his mentee? Yeah. It's always like you need a mentor, you know, that's so awesome. That was really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't even realize how long we've been going, so <laughs> okay. um, maybe we could do a part two at some point. Yeah. Um, I'll have you read your little spiel. Okay. And then we'll call that a wrap. Okay. Yeah? Awesome. All right. Hi, my name is Kayla Windsor, and I've just been unmasked. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs>